another episode of Let's Talk Deer, brought to you by Grandpa Ray Outdoors, owned by Mr. John O'Brien. John's a Midwestern guy. He's around the Midwestern, Wisconsin area. He's been an agronomist uh, for over 29 years. So he knows seed, he knows soil, and he knows what white-tailed deer need. John has a large seed company, Grandpa Ray Outdoors, but also he's in educating. He's one of the best educators seminar platform speaker uh, communicator for soil water and cover the soil brings the food the water hydrates and the cover keeps them safe so that's what whitetail needs so any questions at all about seed go to grandparayoutdoors.com let's talk deer does receive compensation from grandpa ray outdoors for mentioning him on my show welcome to today's episode of Let's Talk Deer. I'm heading to Northwestern Indiana. I'm going to meet up with Nick Bolda. Nick's uh, a young, he's a law enforcement uh, person in that area, and uh, he loves to hunt whitetails. And about 10 years ago, he picked up a parcel of land that he owns, and which is a great thing. And and I saw a post on Instagram uh, that he's he's written an article about uh, how to manage small parcels so i wanted nick to get on the show and uh and talk about that nick welcome to the show hey bruce thanks for having me on well it's a pleasure and uh, we were just on facebook live so folks you can go over to uh, bruce hutchin on uh, facebook live and and check that out uh, right now but um I wanted to have Nick, as I said, on the show because he wrote an article that I thought uh, was really beneficial uh, and had some good information. So we're going to go through uh, on this episode uh, the five points of his article. Uh, Nick, why don't you start us off? Let's talk about why you wrote the article. Um, it was just through a lot of my experiences, you know, after I bought my piece of land and seeing what I had to go through and um, just what I learned um, owning a small piece of land. Um, so I just wanted to share some of the tricks. I mean, I had a lot of, a lot of things that I tried and failed at. Um, these are five things that I, I found that were successful on my piece of land. Um, so I think that they can be applied to, to any size land. Um, but specifically I'm talking about 25 acres or less. All right. So you found this parcel. What's the first things you did with it as far as whitetails? Um, I, First, I just I just walked the land, you know, take a take a survey of, of what I had out there, uh, what I was seeing for deer signs. Um, and I set up a lot of cameras um, before I started to make any drastic changes to the to the land before I knew what was even going on there. I set up a lot of cameras, um, the south end, um, all the way from the east to the west, a little bit to the north, just to see what kind of moving I was having in and out of my property, what was what was tending to stay on my property, what was staying on the neighboring properties, um, just to understand how my property was being used by the by the whitetail. So you mentioned um, earlier on Facebook Live that you had uh, about 10 trail cameras up. Why um, only 10 or why 10? Well, it was it was it was 10 cameras on a on a 10 acre piece of land. Um, so I just wanted to try and cover as much of it as I could uh, to really get an idea of of where the the deer were moving in and out of my property, um, what part of the property that they were using. Um, if I was seeing the same deer coming and going, kind of get an idea if they were staying on my property, um, if they were just passing through. 
Um, so I felt like one per, per acre was was a pretty good number to, to really get a good idea of what was going on out there. Um, so, I mean, if you add any more than that, I think it's just kind of a little bit overkill. Um, but one per acre, especially when you're starting out on a, on a new property, gives you a ton of photos to look at. Uh, you can really get a good idea of what's going on. So when you left the put up the cameras um, and you went back months later and, and got some got some uh, photos, what'd you see? Uh, I saw a lot of doe movement um, and young bucks. Um, when I first got the land, it was actually uh, the end of summer. Um, it was like July, August. Um, so I was seeing does. Um, some of the fawns and then some of the yearling bucks. Um, and what I found was that they were using, especially the does were using the back five acres as a, as a bedding area. Um, it was extremely thick back there, a lot of brush. Um, and I was getting some really good, uh, travel corridors in and out of that, that, that brush area. So how many deer do you think? You know, after doing that census, how many deer do you think you have on your property? Um, in the in just the ten acres, I was consistently seeing there was probably eight to ten does and probably about six young bucks that were consistent on the cameras, um, and that's what was using that that back uh, bedding area on a on a daily basis. So that's not bad. 12, 12 deer for ten acres. Yeah, no, it's 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 really good. Um, and I also kind of took note of the property that was surrounding me and what they were offering. And I knew that all all the mature bucks were going to hang out over there because there was a lot of a lot of timber and not a lot of pressure. Um, so I wasn't seeing them on my camera, but I wasn't too worried because I knew that they were still in 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 the vicinity. Now, do you have a good relationship with your neighbors? Yeah, um, I actually do. It's more of a recent relationship, but yeah, um, we have a good uh, understanding now, and we've kind of discussed what our goals are and um, what we want to get out of our own hunting experiences. So we have an understanding of um, what kind of bucks we're looking for in doe management. And that's great to have because, like we said uh, earlier, um, you can have a really nice, you know, up and comer and he jumps the fence and somebody shoots him and that's the way it is. Yep. And if we don't have the same, same mindset, um, you know, you, that's the reality. It's just reality. Not right, not wrong. It's just reality. Yep. So, I mean, if you're going to, if you don't have that relationship with your neighbors and you're going to, you choose to pass on a buck. I mean, you just got to be able to accept the fact that he may not be back tomorrow. What class bucks, um, after being there for a couple of years, what class bucks do you do you see on your cameras? Um, you're, there's a lot of young bucks over here. Um, during the rut is when you see a, some of the the larger bucks moving through um, because there are so many does bedding over here. It it brings the big boys in. Uh, come come the first week of november um so i mean you're 
in the rut, you're going to see 150, 160. Um, I've had a couple bigger deer on, on camera, but they pretty much stayed uh, nocturnal for the most part. Um, the largest I've seen in daylight here was probably about 170 inch. That's a great deer. Yeah. Moving through, obviously. Yeah, he was he was just passing through. He's actually cruising um, the south side of the bedding area. Um, I didn't wasn't able to get a shot on him because he was he was he was in that thick brush, but he was just cruising right through. Um, that was actually the first year that I that I hunted it. So I was it was the last week of bow season, um, and I saw him moving through, and that's what really tipped me off that that's how they were using this property. So he was just either sight checking or scent checking. Yep, just moving right along through that through that south border of the bedding area, right right in that thick brush. Now, do you have a stand down in there? Um, I have a stand right outside of it, so I didn't want to intrude uh, into the actual bedding area. You know, um, I want to feel safe back there, um, so I won't I won't go into that actual thick bedding area, but maybe once or twice a year max. Um, but I I do have a stand just south of there. Um, that I'm able to get in and out of without going through that bedding area at all. Um, Is it so, within 100 yards? Within 100 yards of the bedding area or closer? Yeah, um, it's probably about 50 yards actually. And then uh, the bedding area actually runs north and or east and west, right behind the stand. So I'm able to see pretty much the the, the entire uh, travel corridor um, in and out of that bedding area. I only have a shot at about half of it, um, but I'm able to just observe what's what's going on and how and how it's being used. Because I have a, a really good friend Dan Enfelt that hunts swamp bucks, and you know he his whole thing is finding berry, bedding areas in the swamp and then figuring out how to hunt them. Yeah, you know that's his whole whole deal. Yeah, uh, it's been very very successful at it. So it sounds like. You know, you got a, you get the sanctuary there, you get the does there. So the bucks, you know, on the right day, you don't know who Mr. Wonder was going to show up or not. Right. It's just, it, it's really all by chance and, and letting the bucks do their thing out there. Um, I've kind of concluded that I'm not going to hold the mature bucks on my property. So it's just keeping the does happy, um, keeping them here. Because they're going to bring the big guys in here, you know, the first first couple weeks of of the rut. So that that's that, that's my that's my, that's my best chance for that. So let's get back to your article. Yeah. Like I said, it was it was it was five tips that that I thought were the most beneficial to me. Um, the first one was one that I learned right away, which was don't alter the land too drastically. Um, you you don't want to come into a new property. Um, and automatically start cutting timber or trying to create bedding areas or food or water because you don't know what that property is already offering. Um, so by adding so many trail cameras, I was able to see what my property is offering, and then I can make a plan of, of what I thought was going to work for me. This is Bruce Hutchin with a special message about my relationship with Burner.com. Burner HD is a non-lethal pistol that's available now on the web at Burner. Com. If you go to the web and use my promo code LTD2020, you're going to get a 10% discount on all Burner products. So again, Let's Talk Deer has a discount promo code 
LTD 2020 for all burner products. Go check them out. They're great. The first, the first thing that, that I, I realized was that um, I needed some food um, as like a late season food source. Um, so in, in the article, I talk about food. I mean, if you're, if you're bordering large agricultural fields of soybeans or corn, um, you planting an acre of soybeans probably isn't going to pull a lot of deer off that thousand acre field. I mean, they're not going to have any motivation to leave that field and come over, come over to yours. Um, so maybe that's not something that you want to focus on, on your property. Um, the next thing is uh, water. If you're, if you're next to a property that has a, a large pond or a large creek that runs through it and the deer have water all year round, adding water might not be for you. Um, it's really a property by property basis. And that's why you need to come in and take that inventory um, and really see what your property can offer and what the neighbor's properties are already offering. Um, if you're, if you're lacking water, um, for instance, me, um, there, there is a large creek on the property that borders me on the south, um, but it tends to dry up every year in the fall. Um, it goes almost completely dry. Um, during, during this time, obviously the bucks are running. Um, they need water. They're going to find water. So instead of making them travel a mile to go find water, um, I had a small, a small water source. Uh, I didn't have a lot of uh, land to, to spare. Um, so what I did was I just bought a small pine liner offline, um, dug it by hand. It's only about three feet deep by maybe like an eight by 10. Um, let that fill up from the rain. Uh, it's held water year round ever since I put it in. Uh, the deer didn't touch it right away it took about a month or so before anything touched it and even after that month it started with fawns it started to kind of test it out then the doe started to test it out and then some some of the younger bucks um so it just took a while for them to get comfortable with it um but it doesn't have to be expensive i mean people think that adding adding water you got to dig some big pond you got to have Heavy, heavy machinery out there. I mean, you really don't. I've I've seen a ton of videos on guys who buy livestock tanks, buy plastic kiddie pools, um, just dig them out, backfill them, cover the edges, and just let them fill. I mean, um, it's just enough to to hold a small watering hole for these animals to use. Um, the next thing um, I talked about was bedding and cover, which we kind of talked about already. Um, you got to provide some kind of protection where, where they're going to feel safe. Um, when I moved into my property, um, I identified the back five acres as being heavily brushed um, around the outside of a large portion of that. Um, and then once you get inside that brush, there's some some standing timber um and there's all kinds of travel corridors in and out of there so i already knew that the deer were safe back there that they were using that as a bedding area um so coming in and making drastic changes to that would probably just push the deer out um but if you identify um a need for a bedding area on your property i mean there's there's a ton of things you can do i mean you can hinge cut trees 
Um, if you're hinge cutting trees, um, you're laying them down, you're gonna create um, cover when those trees are staying alive after they've been hinge cut. You're also gonna provide some food because they're gonna browse on those um, in the spring. Um, create high brush piles. If, you, if you've cut down or burn, I mean, if you border an area with large brush piles or plant high grasses along uh, the edge of it, um, you can create kind of a kind of a screening feature, you know, so that they feel like they're concealed in there. Um, but even after doing all all this, I think the most important thing is making that area like a sanctuary. Um, try not to go in there at all. Whatever area you set as a bedding area, just leave it be. Um, on mine, it was already a bedding area, but I just I just stay out of it um, unless I'm tracking a deer in there um, or something else. I just I just leave it be. Um, another thing with uh, making them feel safe is the predators. Um, recently, in the last two years, I've seen a large increase in the coyote presence. Um, so that's something that we're going to start doing is uh, some predator control here, uh, especially this this time of year, right before the fawns start to drop. Um, we need to take care of the predators. Um, so, I mean, those are just tips on the actual land improvement that you can do. Um, so, yeah, do you have anything on those? Um, no, I want to get to, you know, um, I think the last part you write, you know, let them grow, let them go and let them grow. Because I think yep. so many times we, we get we get that we do all this work and then the end result is harvesting deer and since it's your property it's your choice what you harvest not somebody yeah. else on social media so you know i'd like right. to discuss that yeah so um what i talked about was i mean on a on a large property you can you can pass a deer and be pretty confident that that deer is going to stick around and you're going to see that deer again next year um, when you're on a smaller piece of land, um, if you choose to pass on a buck and let him mature for another year, uh, it's a lot larger risk. The next afternoon, he may jump the fence onto the neighbor's property and you'll never see him again. Um, so I think if you can create a relationship with your neighbors, kind of get an understanding of what you guys both expect out of your hunting experience, uh, what you want to achieve with your deer herd and have an understanding um, that can definitely work. You can definitely pass on deer and be confident that they're going to survive another year. Um, if you don't have the understanding or maybe you and your neighbors just aren't in agreement, um, then it's really got to be a personal decision if you want to pass on a deer. Because you have to be okay with the fact that you're going to pass on this deer and take the chance that he's not going to be back next year. Um, you have to know what your needs are and what your wants are um, for hunting. If you're if you're out there trying to feed your family um, and fill the freezer, then take whatever deer you want to take. Um, it's your property. Don't let anybody tell you that you should have passed that deer or you should have shot that deer. Um, I think um, every deer is a trophy. And 
whatever your needs are is what you need to fill out there. So I think too often we worry about what other people think of the deer that we shoot. Um, you know, people are posting a buck on social media and the negative comments start coming in, you know, why'd you shoot that deer? You should live another two years, you know, but I think we, uh, you have to do whatever you need to do. Um, no one else can tell you how to hunt or what type of hunting is, is best for you and your family. Yeah, a long time ago, one of my first guests was Brenda Valentine, um, very active in the National Wild Turkey Federation. And she said, you know, Bruce, it's your hunt. One, it should be fun, but it's in the end, it's your hunt. So whatever you can do legally, you know, so don't worry about what somebody else says. And unfortunately, social media has brought that to bear that, you know, hey, you should have let that pass. No. I wanted to fill my freezer. My, you know, it was a doe and my, um, my grandparents are, are hungry, you know, or yeah. whatever. And we don't, we don't even have to, shouldn't even have to go there. It should be, we're hunters. We're all hunters and it should be, Hey, great deer. Yeah. Yeah. I That's feel all uh, needs to be said. That's all need to be said. Yeah. Too often guys feel the need to defend why they shot it or, whatever else. And it's just, it's, it's, it's not necessary. Yeah, it's certainly not. Nick, how do people uh, who are interested in, in reaching out to you, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, Instagram is the best way. Uh, it's at NWI underscore whitetails um, or by email, which is NWI whitetails at gmail.com. So reach out to Nick folks and let them know your thoughts. If you like this, um, you know, Give them, give them some props. Give them some shout-outs. Uh, when, um, when this episode airs of Let's Talk Deer, you know, um, share it with your buddies because I think if you uh, think about his article um, and the tips he brings up, we can use them on any property. Um, and you can manage your property. And I know um, habitat management and, and seed growing, uh, this, this – um, Podcast is sponsored by Grandpa Ray Outdoors, and John O'Brien's got 29 years as an agronomist, so he knows something about the business. And and there's a lot of people saying uh, this and that, but um, the biggest thing I've learned for talking to enough people is when you get a new property, find out, take the inventory, and then have a plan for that property. And there's nothing wrong with with going out and and reaching out to people and saying, hey. I got this property. Here's what I'm thinking of doing. You know, here's Google Earth, da da da, da and get some help because we're all experts, right, Nick? Yeah, yeah, we are. <laughs> we're all experts, and I got schooled every single year, and I've been hunting whitetails for a long time. And every single year, I get schooled uh, because I go, you know, I just, I just did it wrong, and. Um, that happens, but that's that's part of the chase, though. That's part of the adventure. That's part of why I'm out there. I'm out there. Yeah, I I, I want to kill mature deer, and I'll I'll kill as many does as as the farmer needs me to to shoot. Or it says Bruce, you know, how many tags you have, and and we give the does away. We give some to the farmer. We give some to the food bank. We cut it up and process it ourselves. So the meat does not go to waste. But that's all in the plan of the farm. And so everybody knows that who who hunts the property I hunt. So with that, we're going to wrap up. Let's talk deer. Nick, 
Volda, thank you so much for being here as a guest. And I look forward to staying in touch and seeing where your outdoor career grows. Thanks, Bruce. Appreciate it.